Welcome to the Collective Voice of Health IT, a Weedy podcast. It doesn't make the headlines, but the healthcare industry is facing a huge sea change in the next few years. Why? Because in the next few years, we're going to see clinical and administrative healthcare data being freed. Two initiatives, interoperability and transparency, will be responsible for this sea change, for this freeing of the data, which will likely affect every aspect of healthcare, from clinical decisions to the pricing of healthcare. And we often talk about policy impacts in this program to ha- and their impact on health plans and providers. Today, however, we're going to talk about the third party, the third wheel, maybe, to the healthcare industry that often goes unheard. Us, the patients, the consumers of healthcare, and how freeing the data is going to shape the way we, the patient, we, the consumer, interact with our healthcare system. And I have just the guest to do it. Known by many for his famous hat, Stanley Nockamson is in the virtual studio today, and he's not wearing his hat. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Collective Voice of Health IT, a weedy podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Albright. My day job is Chief Legislative Affairs Officer for Zealous Payments, Z-E-L-I-S. Zealous's mission is to enable providers to simplify and save on their payments and claims. I also serve as the Communication Committee Chair for WEDI. That's W-E-D-I. WEDI is a national membership organization where the health information technology community connects, collaborates, and creates solutions for a better health system. Again, in the virtual studio today, Stanley Nockamson, former CMS official and health IT implementation expert and a great friend of WEDI and the healthcare industry at large. Stanley, great to have you on the show today. Oh, great to be here, Matthew. Uh, you know, it's been a long time that you and I have collaborated, and I'm happy to be on this broadcast with you. That's exactly right. So, so uh, Stanley was uh, at CMS uh, for many years. You were special advisor, uh, and for, you were involved in a lot of the originally HIPAA regulations. Is that right? Right, and uh, you know, actually started just after HIPAA was passed in '96. They assigned me to this new project named HIPAA. It had to do with health IT. I knew nothing about it, but uh, learned very quickly and uh, certainly have been participating in health IT since uh, 96, going through quite a number of projects, uh, of innovations, moving from HIPAA administrative standards to some of the interoperability efforts that CMS started to personal health records, ICD-10 and others, and working through those uh, regulatory processes, then retiring from CMS in uh, it's been a it's been a while. Uh, 2007, I believe it it was, and then moving out as a consultant, working with the industry to help explain how to understand regulations and and how to use some of the requirements of the regulations, not just for compliance, but to make the world better, make their businesses better, and taking those requirements and making sure healthcare improves uh, using the health IT information that's that's available. Very good, very good. And you know, uh, when you left CMS, so you you brought in the original HIPAA. Then I picked up in 2010 at CMS when we were trying to do the Affordable Care Act stuff. Uh, so we we kind of we relayed that along the way. But but certainly you've seen 30 30 years now of some of the biggest changes in our healthcare industry. Um, you know, we get payers with providers, vendors, consultants on this show. Um, they talk about a lot of the things that are going on right now. Um, what's your view, 
having seen these huge policy reforms, HIPAA, ACA, now interoperability and transparency, what's your hip uh, feeling about our, our status? I mean, is this like the, are we at a point where we've got so many requirements uh, that we can't handle it? Or uh, does industry kind of always complain about this every two years when a big healthcare act is, is passed? I'm trying to get a feeling for, you know, how difficult this next, uh, this next obstacle of interoperability and transparency is going to be. Ah, it's an excellent question. And it's taken us quite a while to, to get there. Uh, we know that, uh, I believe when George Bush was president, he talked about a a healthcare record for every American. That was quite a number of years ago. Seems like we've gone through quite a bit since then. And little by little, the industry has crept forward so that it's now possible to establish a, a record. We went to uh, some developing the standards using HIPAA and, and things like that. We've tried to protect privacy and security. We've moved to requiring electronic health records or, or trying to require electronic health records to for most of the industry, then trying to standardize what's actually in those health records. And now trying to make sure that the health records can talk and share data amongst themselves, which is some of the interoperability and moving towards patients having the opportunity to access and use that data. It's a, it is a major obstacle that, that we've got to overcome, but we're now finally bringing patients into it, which really, I think, changes the whole dynamic. It's not just providers and health plans and vendors working with each other to try and make things happen amongst themselves. Now we have to consider the patient view, how patients are going to use the data, how patients are going to understand the data. I, I think we're moving towards a atmosphere like we have with uh, well, buying cars or choosing airline flights. We're getting much better at using the internet and apps to decide the best airline flight for us to take or the ideal car and the best price on that ideal car. We're looking to establish a healthcare industry where people understand not only the process that their doctor wants to take them through, but whether or not that process will work, how much it's going to cost, how long it's going to take, and are there any alternatives that might be better? So it's an ideal world, hopefully, that we'll get to somewhere in the near future. So actually, you bring up a great point, right? We've, we've seen these huge health, uh, health policy reform ideas coming through. Um, and so I think about HIPAA, we think about, and, and that was really just uh, moving to electronic, but the patients didn't necessarily see any difference there, right? And then we get to the Affordable Care Act, and certainly more patients had access to insurance uh, that would cover their uh, cover their uh, health care uh, costs. But we didn't really see any shifts in in pricing, certainly, or shifts in how uh, health care was delivered. But you're saying this new kind of policy uh, era that we're going into right now, it's really going to affect the patient. We're going to see a change, I think, in our relationship with the doctor, a relationship uh, maybe with our health plans as well. Is that what you see? Uh, yeah, I think that was the hope. It was expressed, I think, initially in the um, during the last administration where they tried to say, we want patients to have control over their health care. And that is continuing in this administration, perhaps even accelerating with more and more regulations coming out, more and more requirements to give patients access to their data. Uh, it, this is clearly a, uh, a bipartisan effort. Uh, electronic health information, interoperability, health information technology has been something that both parties 
have supported ever since, I would say, the Bush administration, going through both Republican and Democratic administrations. So this is not a political argument. This is a technological argument. Uh, and we've seen the advent of technology in many other industries. Everyone has a cell phone today. That was not even thought about when HIPAA and, and health IT requirements began. But now everybody's got a cell, cell phone that has probably more power than most computers had 15 or 20 years ago. It's time to let the patients start using that. Right. Very good. Very good. Um, I think that's interesting. The other the part here that I'm I'm struggling with a little bit is, um, and I and I hope to talk more about you know the the idea that we're going to have all of this on our phone, right? I think we're going to have access to our clinical data. We're going to have access to pricing data. It's going to be very interesting to see those combined on one app and and make consumers more in charge of their clinical and their um, the billing and the payments uh, side of of healthcare. Um, but uh, is there any long term shift in how healthcare is actually done in this country. So are we gonna see a decrease in prices? Are we gonna see, uh, see value-based uh, pricing? Are we gonna see things bundled and, and are we moving away from the uh, pay-per-visit uh, model? Uh, is it gonna be a significant change in healthcare or is it just that suddenly um, uh, consumers are gonna know more about their own decisions? An, an excellent question. And I, I think we have to realize that consumers are only one part of the equation. So just because they get their data, I don't think that will achieve a massive shift in the way healthcare is administered. But it now brings in another partner and we can add them to this, the, the discussion. So it's not just what's best for health plans, what's best for providers, but it's now also what's best uh, for individual patients, which is really the key for healthcare. How can we engage them and how can we get their insight into all of these nice new initiatives like value-based payment? You know, value-based payment, uh, you know, who's the one that gets the value in the value-based payment? There are those that will argue, well, the value-based payment is better for health plans because, you know, it, it costs less money for the health plan. Well, that may be true. Value-based payment, maybe it's better for doctors because, uh, you know, they'll be choosing the best value healthcare for their patients, or maybe they'll be minimizing their time uh, because they won't have to have repeat visits from patients because it's a better way of, of treating a patient. But bottom line is it should be better for the, the patients. And this may be an opportunity for patients to begin to say, hey, I want to take this particular path because I've got the data. Um, I've discussed it with my doctor, uh, I've worked with my health plan, and we all agree that this is the best way to go, rather than just saying, oh, well, the doc said this is the way to go, or the health plan said this is the only thing that's covered, so this, this is the way to go. We're, we're adding in some further information. I know, you know we've seen some problems with that, with patients often looking up information on the internet and saying, oh, well, this pill is going to solve all my problems, so doc, prescribe me that pill. Well, patients don't have all of the necessary knowledge to make that decision by themselves. And that's why I, I, I think we want to emphasize the fact that, that when patients are partners in this, it gives them some information that allows them to present their view of things. But we want to make sure that the health plan view and the provider view are also taken into account in any, any decision making. And again, we, we think that health plans are experts in managing 
people's health care, at least managing their their insured groups, making sure they're getting the best value. We tend to think that providers are experts in uh, diagnosing and treating diseases, diseases and helping patients stay well. What are patients expert in? Um, that's that's an excellent question. Uh, they're certainly not medical experts, uh, but they do have certain points of view and know what's going on within their own uh, their own body and, and their own uh, sort of circle. Same thing for caregivers. Uh, you know, they've got a lot of information about the person that they're giving care to. So why why not listen to them? Why not allow them to participate in this? Uh, and and to, to what extent do you think um, that uh, consumers are going to be willing participants to this? And, and what I'm thinking about is, um, you know, I've talked to some uh, payers and, and I'm thinking about the transparency requirements in particular, where we've already, they say, we've already built these price transparency tools. They can go out and look anytime they want on their portals to compare prices between one and the other, but uh, Americans don't care. They're, they're not, they're not in the, they're not used to, it's not part of the culture of checking prices for healthcare. And on the clinical side, I mean, I'm a great example. I think I think about my health maybe once a year, you know, when I get a message from my doctor. Um, Americans are famous for not wanting to think about their health. Like, that's one of the problems why we have a healthcare problem in this in this country, right? Do you think that, um, like, consumers are going to use these tools? Are they, are they going to access the EHR? Are they going to get involved in the decision-making? Uh, or do you think that there's just going to be so much data and that there's going to be so many people, third-party apps, innovators, disruptors, who are going to be pushing this information in front of us, game theory in terms of making our health better, that we're all going to come into it? It, 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 where's the consumer in this in terms of the, the, the average American citizen about what they want to do when they pick up their phone in the morning? Well, you know, historically, I, I, I've argued against giving consumers too much data because they, you're absolutely right. They do tend to ignore their, their health data. Frankly, I, I know people that take better care of their cars than they do uh, of themselves you know, with, you know, checking the, checking the oil, checking the tires, uh, doing all kinds of stuff, measuring this, measuring that. Um, and then when you ask them when the last time they they went to the doctor, oh, I don't know, a couple of years ago, have you checked your blood pressure? Nah, nah, I'm not worried about that. So, I mean, we, we have some hurdles to overcome. We have some dependencies to overcome where consumers tend to rely on their their doctors or they tend to wait until something is definitely wrong before they go ahead and treat it. However, I think we now have the opportunity with uh, – with all of this technology to start changing that. Wouldn't it be nice if when you woke up in the morning and you, uh, you turn on your phone, you know, you have your banking app, so you check your, your balance, you have your investment app, so you check uh, where your uh, 401k or, or things are, and you even have apps for your cars to give you your car's health. Well, if it's an easy check to your app to say, all right, Mr. Nockhamson, uh, here we are this morning. Looks like your weight has gone up a, a few pounds. So let's knock off the donuts uh, today because I'm keeping track of your purchases, by the way. And, right. you know, you've, you're stopping in at Dunkin' Donuts uh, three times a week, probably not just for an iced tea. So uh, l- let's watch that. You know, your your blood, your your sleep was pretty good last night. Um, we've, we've checked with your heart rhythm is decent. Uh, your blood pressure seems to be creeping up. We'll keep an eye on that. And uh, you're handling uh, your weight not too well. And by the way, you know, you ran twice last week. That's pretty good, but see if you can kick it up. 
I'm obviously I'm being a little extreme here, but wouldn't it be nice if if we went we went there? That's number one. Do we have the ability to create apps to do things like that and to have Alexa nicely tell us uh, what we'd like to do or or Google? It appears nothing is playing at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> and there she is. <laughs> right on cue. That was beautiful. Uh, okay. Yes. Well, she's always <laughs> listening. Uh, and um, wouldn't it wouldn't it be nice if uh, there were ways to easily contact your doctor and say, hey, you know, send this information to my doctor right away and, and let's get some, some feedback on that. Uh, so I think there are a couple of steps involved here. Yes, there's the regulatory processes in place to start making the data available. That's step one. Uh, step two is the these apps that we expect to happen. Now, CMS and others have said they do not have the authority to regulate these apps. That's beyond what the Congress has given them. They're, they're able to say providers have to do this, health plans have to do this, but they really can't uh, tell the app developers what to do. They're, they're setting up some requirements and there are some outside groups, uh, Karen and, and others that are doing some work to, to help develop some codes of conduct and, and things like that to, uh, to help app developers know what the right things to do are. But so we've got, if those apps can start being developed and then we start educating the patients. Huh? I want to just talk about uh, the, the price transparency for hospitals that was supposed to be in place January 1st. Uh, I remember speaking to someone that worked at a hospital uh, sometime in February or March. And I said, uh, you do know that your hospital is supposed to be publishing uh, the prices online. And she said, huh, I didn't know that. Now, this was someone that worked, that's a supervisor. Uh, I don't want to give too much personal information away, but um, this was somebody that worked in a hospital in a high enough position in the hospital that, you know, they should have known what was going on. But the, the publicity uh, on all of that, I, I saw a few newspaper articles, but it was more like, hey, hospitals aren't doing this, as opposed to what is it that hospitals are supposed to do? Here's a guide to what you have to do. Without those kinds of guides and the, whether we're talking about commercials or publicity or, or fairs, uh, patient fairs, things like that, you don't know that that data is available and you don't know what to do with it. So we've got a lot of education to do uh, for patients uh, uh, in how to access the data um, and what that data really means. I think we, we need to move it into the commercial world. We've seen, you know, I want to use the, the airline examples. We've seen Expedia do its advertising and we've seen some other companies do their advertising. We know that there are uh, major companies that, that spend a lot of time getting information to consumers uh, to make sure that they have good information on how to choose the right airline. And there are a number of websites that allow people easily to do that, the airlines themselves. So we're going to have to see how the healthcare industry and their vendors move towards that sort of an economy, not necessarily government regulated. And, and I think there's a there's a real issue there that we've faced with the industry where it doesn't move that quickly without federal regulation. Uh, obviously, being uh, having that uh, experience as you did on the, on the federal side, in some ways it's great. Hey, we love to come up with regulations to tell the industry what to do. On, on the other hand, they can be somewhat stifling. And if people in the industry work only on compliance, not on 
hey, what's the best thing to do? We have an issue. We don't necessarily want to set the priorities, but if the industry doesn't move, the federal government and others are forced to set priorities um, on behalf of the industry or on behalf of the patient. So we have to figure out ways to get the whole industry to move forward and make this uh, not something that's required, but something that's beneficial, something that provides uh, a payback for both the industry, uh, the, for the vendors, for the health plans, for the providers, and for the patients. And there's a return on investment for everybody. I think that's excellent. And and I think, um, you know, it shows you, you brought out other industries where this is what's going on, right? Everything's moving to the phone. And I think the pandemic probably increased and, and, and proportionally speeded up that whole idea, not 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 just with healthcare, because we're talking about telehealth and and making appointments and using apps for that, uh, but certainly just you know our eating habits have changed and our education habits have changed in terms of moving us more online. So so to me, it's also a generational thing. My children are are are, are getting used to a world where everything's arranged on their phone, and when their healthcare is brought into that, then I think they're going to expect that they deal with their healthcare on their phone, uh, right? This was one of the things about telehealth that that uh, and really things like delivering vaccines and testing that the the healthcare industry had to come out of their four walls and meet the patients where they were, right? They had to drop down those four walls and stop thinking about healthcare as a building. And think about healthcare as and we see here the same thing with schools and dining experiences as well, right? This is no longer a a building that you go to. This is something that you've got to bring to the consumer. And the more healthcare is brought to the consumer, and also made seamlessly part of other parts of his life. So you bring up, you know, talking to Google or 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 your or your, whoever wakes you up in the morning. Uh, right. um, and and they tell you the weather, then they tell you your health, and then they tell you what you're going to do today, right, et cetera, et cetera. And that's what our, our phones are doing. And, and I just think about how we plan a vacation these days and how different that was from how we planned a vacation 15, 20 years ago, right? It's all on our phone, and it's all seamlessly connected to, oh, we see you like Mexican food. Well, the city you're going to go to has good Mexican food, and here's the hotel that's right next to it, and right here's the, right? It all seamlessly gives us everything we need in one place, so it doesn't feel like we're even siloing our life. Our healthcare is a part of our dining, is a part of our shopping, is a part of everything else that we're doing. Yeah, right. the, the only warning there is um, while eating habits and perhaps some shopping habits, people, for the most part, don't mind other people knowing you run into the privacy and security security area. Um, certainly, I, I might not necessarily want my employer to know that I'm having a, a medical issue. Uh, one, it's none of their business. Two, you know, if I'm up for a big promotion, for example, um, I don't want my employer to say, oh, Stanley's having some medical issues. You know, he may not uh, be able to deal with this, so I'm going to pass him over for the promotion. Or if there's, you know, there's all kinds of child custody cases and divorce cases and things like that. So we have to be very careful about the sharing of data. Some people are very concerned about that. Some people are not so concerned about that. Uh, so that the whole privacy and security area is a big part of healthcare, And that's I think that's one of the obstacles that's in the way of this great sharing of data. Good. So let's talk about that for a bit. So I am a consumer. I'm a patient. I say this all sounds very good, but really I've trusted my provider to have those big old files with my medical stuff. They've got it behind a door that's locked every day. I don't want uh, 
anybody coming to me and saying, hey, we're Google, we're Amazon, we can give you your health information through this packet. Like, what would you say to me who's very concerned about um, security and and commercial entities getting access to my uh, my my health health information. So now they're telling me where to eat, and the government getting uh, you know uh, access. So now they're telling me I'm not vaccinated in something. What would you say to a consumer who's a little worried about how healthcare is coming out of the four walls? Uh, there there's a risk. Uh, there's clearly a risk in your data somehow being used by people that you don't know, and we've seen plenty of examples of that. On the other hand, you've got the return of making sure your data, your health is better managed. I mean, that that's a choice that you have to make. You can certainly opt out of all of this. You can not get any of the apps. You can walk to your doctor's office um, or drive to your doctor's office and all the information is there. It's gonna take your doctor a little bit longer perhaps to treat you or maybe your healthcare won't be quite as good. Uh, I don't know, but that, that's a individual choice that, that you have to make. Um, so so I, let me let me push back on that a little bit. Sure. Right. Just just uh, I, in that, you know, you could say, oh, you don't have to be a part of Facebook. You don't have to have apps to get Domino's pizza. You don't need to come into this new world of um, having a phone at all. But you kind of do if you want to function, if you want to talk to your grandkids, if you want to do, you know, <laughs> it's almost like it's the one tool you need to move. And it's all all the all the same part. And And then sooner or later. Uh, the other end, the provider, the hospital, the the health plan, they're going to be saying, well, just check your phone. Or, right. of course, we sent you a message. One was sent through the mail. It should arrive tomorrow. And one was sent six weeks ago when you needed to know that information. So can we really, are we, aren't we being dragged into this new world? We are being dragged into this new world. There's the modernization. I mean, there are always people that are behind the times. There are people that refuse to use computers. For, heck, there are people that kept riding horses and wouldn't go on any of those newfangled, you know, automobiles that, you know, they were they they were frightened of. So you're gonna you're gonna have some some people that um, will refuse to do that. The idea here, though, is to show the benefits. Look, I I, I don't want to force anybody into anything. I tend to be a gadget guy. I love to use stuff. I still know people, believe it or not, that don't that don't use ATMs. There are people there that no, I can just go to the grocery store, write a check get money back. You know, I can go to the bank and deposit a check. Uh, I don't have to worry about using those machines. We're going to have some of that, but let's start focusing on the folks that are willing to use it and see how it goes and, and look at the benefits of, of that. That I mean, that's where I'd like to focus. Yes, whether you talk about the 80-20 rule or 70-30, whatever the percentage is, ah, you don't want to do it, that's fine. You don't have to do it. You might run over some roadblocks or run into some roadblocks, uh, but let's focus on the people that are willing to do that and see how well it works for them. Very good. So, Stanley, you've been a part of um, healthcare policy 20, 30, 40 years now. You've worked on the commercial <laughs> side. Slow down. 50, 40 60 years, years now. And, uh, <laughs> where, where, what is your hopes? How do you, how do you, how, how do you hope that healthcare will look to a patient? in 10 years, or maybe you give me the time frame. Hopefully you'll say it's going to look better um, for us in terms of pricing and access and our health and our actually health, you know, how our American health is. But what's your aspirations there? What, what, what do you hope healthcare looks like in 10 years for America? Well, I certainly hope I'll be around to see it. That, that's, <laughs> first, that's my first hope. Um, 
Uh, and it hasn't been 60 years in healthcare, but <laughs> nonetheless, <laughs> you know, um, you know, I, again, I, I talked about the partnership, um, the ability to, to effectively use the data. I love the idea of apps and the vendors coming and saying, all right, we've got the data. Uh, let's do something with it. The data in and of itself is nice to have, but relatively useless for a patient. If you tell me my blood pressure is 240, well, okay, so what? So my blood pressure is 240. Now, if you tell me that my blood pressure should be 160 and it is 240, and not only is that way over, but if it continues at this rate, I am at greater risk for a stroke or a heart attack and um, let go talk to your doctor. Here's a few suggestions, but go talk to your doctor about what about what you can do if you'd like. I mean, it, it's the let let's use the data. Let's get information to patients. Let's hope that patients and doctors can collaborate on their healthcare and work together in using some of these apps and, and cooperate. Maybe there don't there doesn't need to be as many in-person visits. The idea of all of these uh, blood pressure machines and others giving information to patients uh, and and their docs. I mean that's great. If there's an alarm that goes off, have the doc call and say, "Oops, you better um, you know take this shot or take this additional medication." I have a relative relative that has a a new pump that actually controls his insulin. I mean it's amazing. He wears this. And instead of having to give himself a shot or get an, I mean, there is a notification, but the pump knows what his uh, levels are and adjusts the inside. It's almost like an artificial pancreas. In fact, it is. Mm -hmm. It adjusts everything. That'd be great to have things like that in an app to help you manage other facets of your health, working with your, with your doc. I'd like to see acceptance uh, from health plans and, and providers and patients. I'd like to see incentives for using some of this, you know, gee, if you do this and you help manage your health, uh, you know, you get a 10% decrease in your premium payment. Just like if you don't have an accident, you know, over a couple of years, you get a decrease in your car insurance. Why not do it for, for health insurance? Why not have employers do that, provide these kinds of incentives so we can incentivize people to do the things that we want to. Yeah, I mean, there, there's the cooperation, there's the acceptance, um, and there's the, the education. We started talking about this a little bit. What's lacking here for uh, patients is the real education about all of these initiatives. What does this all mean for the patient, for me, um, about all of these apps and the things that I can do? Uh, you know, there is a, this Apple Health Kit, but I still haven't seen a lot of publicity and instruction about this, that I somehow found out that I could download my my laboratory data. Well, that's great, but it, it wasn't something that sort of came in the mail. Uh, I, I don't even remember how I did it. It was maybe a message from a lab uh, or in discussions with someone. But I mean, that, that should be information easily out there, whether it's billboards or, or TV commercials or things like that, or pamphlets in, in providers' offices, or some things that the, the health plans give out. We need to make that much more acceptable uh, and accessible to people so they're comfortable with it. And not only do you have it, but by the way, there are, there are lots of protections in there. We're doing a good job at keeping your data private. We're only going to share it with, you, with your doctor. Um, so go ahead and give it a try and you can turn it off at any time. Not a big deal, but I, I want that education out there. 
to say what's ha what's happening. And I also want the industry to move forward and say we don't need government regulation anymore. We're going to sit down as patients and providers and health plans and say, um, yeah, what's what's the next thing we ought to do? What works for you? What might work for you? What might work for somebody else? Um, how can we make this better? That's the cooperation I'd like to see and have the government sort of pull out of it and let the industry do it um, for the benefit of all in the industry. So that's yeah. sort of my, my vision. I like it. I like it. And I agree with you on industry collaborating, coming together. I mean, government can always have its toe in the uh, in the water, but uh, I, I think the government usually steps in when the industry doesn't do it by themselves, and it's usually a sledgehammer where you might need a, a surgical device in this case. Um, so, uh, Stanley, this has been uh, a pleasure. I've enjoyed this time together. Uh, we talked a little bit about education. If I'm a consumer, I'm either ex excited about some of the things you're saying or I'm worried about them. Where would I go to find out more information? Do you have any resources for us? <laughs> you know, I, I, that's what I sort of keep harping on. I haven't seen very much, uh, you know, in, in internet searches. There are some groups, uh, the Karen, C-A-R-I-N, that is doing some work um, on at least app development and app privacy and security. But that, again, is more of a technical discussion than an easy um, consumer discussion. I would hope folks like uh, AARP and the patient groups uh, do some more work, although I, I've had some or I've heard some stuff that, you know, they're they're busy with a lot of other things. They're not yet up to easy education of patients on, on all of that. Uh, you know, I, I there's, there's always been a discussion of who speaks for the patient. Um, right. And I don't and I don't think we figured that out yet. Uh, so uh, this this is an opportunity um, and I really don't know where to turn. It'd be a great thing to, for your listeners to think about. And if they come across uh, places where they found good, good educational material, um, you know, let us know and uh, we'll see what we can do about spreading it around. Good. Excellent. Excellent way to end. Any closing words for us, Stanley? Uh, no, Matthew, it's really been a pleasure. I, I love talking about this stuff. And I hope that uh, you and I will both be around in 10 years to talk about it. I hope so, too. And I hope we have our apps out and our hats on and we uh, we get to use all the bells and whistles. Well, thank you very much, Stanley. This has been the Collective Voice of Health IT, a weedy podcast where the health information technology community connects, collaborates and creates solutions for a better health system. Find this episode and many more on our website, weedy.org. Thank you all for joining us and be safe. <laughs>